0: Y'all move forward, I'm going to move forward to oh, really it. Today. might regret this decision. Our scripture today comes uh, from Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 16. Hear the word of the Lord. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces so as to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to the span of your life? Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what we will wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that the meditations of our hearts, the words of all of our lips will be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Uh, those of you who watch ESPN regularly might remember a guy named Tyler from a little bit less than a year ago. Tyler was a fan of Big Blue Nation, great big Kentucky fan, and he was looking forward to the national championship game between Kentucky and Kentucky. And Yukon. And so Tyler goes out to his local tattoo parlor in Berea, Kentucky, and gets himself a tattoo right there, right there on his right cap. And it reads, National, and and the O has been changed to the number nine, National Champions 2014, UK. Now, this is a big basketball town. You probably already know that Tyler's decision was perhaps not the best because Yukon would go on to beat. Kentucky for the days right after that. And so we would all say that poor Tyler uh, made a rather foolish decision. There he went. He got this tattoo for the national championship that he hoped for. His hopes were disappointed. And now he's stuck with this tattoo. And so, so he said in a follow up article he was going to keep it. But you know, there's something that I love. I love about ta- Tyler's tattoo. And it's, uh, it's captured in, in what he said about it when ESPN asked him. He said, you know, Big Blue Nation is down and the majority of people have no faith in us, but we have faith in ourselves. He had had faith. He had faith in his team. He had faith in his own people because of what he thought that the future would bring. And in a strange way, fasting is kind of like that. We're in this uh, series on the disciplines of the disciples, practices that we as Christians do to draw us close to God to help us learn what it means to be God's people. And one of those practices is fasting. Jesus talks about it himself. He does it himself. And 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 Christians throughout the centuries have fasted. Sometimes it's not something that we do as much as perhaps we should. I know I don't fast enough. It's something that I I need to, to do better with. But it's there. And Jesus instructs his people about how to go about it. And the thing is that when we fast, we are sort of like Tyler, foolish. Because to fast is foolishness by the standards of this world. Because come on, you've given up something that otherwise you could have. Who does that? That's not how the way our world works. Get what you can and use it and enjoy it. And, and, you know, that's how how we live our lives most of the time in this world that, that we live in. Who would give up something that otherwise... They can have. It's strange behavior, especially when, at least from the perspective of the world, there's no apparent gain for doing it. There's no apparent gain for fasting. It's not like if you fast long enough, then you'll get a big big reward at the end. Jesus never says that, and the world certainly doesn't seem to think that's the case. But yet, we fast. Why do we as Christians fast? We as Christians fast, or, or we should fast, because... To fast is for us to say that we have faith, not in ourselves, but that we have faith in God to provide for us when that behavior seems to the world to be crazy. And to fast is to say that we are giving up our illusion that we can control the circumstances of our life and saying instead that God, we trust you to bring your kingdom in our lives and in the life of the world that we live in to fast is an act of faith in what god is going to do for the whole world to bring his mercy and to bring his love and to say that god you you are in control of the world and we are not that's why we fast this comes out in several ways comes out in several ways and the first is, is to look at what jesus tells his disciples here about fasting he tells them look when you fast don't Do it all morose and depressed and and act like it's terrible. We all have probably seen people do that. Perhaps it's fasting for Lent. Perhaps it's fasting at another time. But they'll, you know, tell you constantly about what they're fasting from. And it just seems they act like it's a big burden. Well, Jesus said it's not to be like that. We fast with joy. And you should wash your hair and uh, you should wash your face and look happy Why would you look happy while you're giving up something? Well, the reason is that to fast is to become more fully what God has made us to be. And to remind us that we can trust God so that we can be what God has created us to be. To fast is to adjust our eyes. Jesus talks about having eyes that are sound so that we can see. So that the light can then shine into us. And that's, that's what it is to fast, it's to adjust our vision so that we can see the world in the way that God sees the world, and so that we can see the world in the way that God would have us to see it. To open up our spiritual eyes by depriving ourselves of, of something for time. To fast is also uh, to do as Jesus instructs here, and not to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth but instead to lay up treasures in heaven. And what Jesus is saying there isn't that, you know, the gifts that he's given us in this world are bad, because Jesus and God God has given us good good things, and those are to be celebrated, and and that comes out in many other places in Scripture. He's not saying that the world is all bad, but what he is saying is that we should value things in the way that God values them, and that by fasting we can discipline ourselves so that we can start to value things in the right way, where we can store up treasures here on or in heaven rather than on earth. Now, that's not purely a matter of wealth. Wealth can be problematic there. It's not purely a matter of wealth. You can be very poor and be completely obsessed with the little that you have. And one can be wealthier and have an open hand to return to God and return to others what has been given to them so that they're mastered by God and not their possessions. But when we are mastered by our possessions, it can can come to take over our lives and to make us less than who we ought to be, than who God has created us to be. Some of you have probably seen or read the the Lord of the Rings series. And if you have one of the unforgettable characters in that, I'll just go with the movies. It's probably more of us have seen the movies. Originally the book. This unforgettable character named Gomel. And Golem is a, uh, this shriveled little gray man who looks more like a frog than a person who's obsessed with this ring that promises to give him power over, well, everything. And he's at, he calls it his precious. He's utterly obsessed with it. And you find out later that Golem was once a hobbit, a, a kind of human being. Uh, that's Hobbits are just like everybody else, but hairier and shorter. Uh, but but Golem used to be a hobbit named Smeagol, and he became so obsessed with this ring that it left him in this half-human, beastly sort of state. And for us, too, when we obsess about controlling our world and controlling our possessions and thinking that we can protect ourselves in that way, we become less than who God has made us to be. To fast from food or from whatever for a period of time is to remind ourselves to see in the way that God wants us to see, to value things the way that God wants us to value them so that we can be the people who God has created us to be. So to fast is to, to surrender control of our own lives so that we can be who God has made us. To fast is also for us to to say that we know that God is in control of this world, our own lives and this whole world. And you know, we you might not realize this, but um, we already do that. We already do that as Christians. And in fact, every single one of you have fasted this morning. Did you know that? The reason I know that you fasted this morning is that I see you right here. Um, you could, I shouldn't tell you this, you could be at home in bed Uh, You could be home for lunch right now and having a big meal. You could have done any number of other things with your morning other than show up to worship. But yet you're here. When we show up to worship and set aside this time, it's fasting from time. It's fasting from our own control over our own time. And you might not realize it because we live in a culture where we have weekends and where we expect to have a Sunday as a day to go to church, but by historical standards and the world standards, that is a little strange. And our act of fasting from our own time and giving that time back to God is a reminder to us, not that just Sunday morning belongs to God, but that all time belongs to God. And that God is, in a sense, over it all. And it goes back to what God had told his people from the very beginning. Because God called Israel out, he made him, made them his people, and set them in the land, and one of the commandments that he gave them was to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, which so for them was what we now call Saturday. And they had this whole day where they didn't work. And now it's it's debatable whether all of those requirements are then required of Christians, but we know for Israel they spent a whole day where they didn't work. Why? That's exactly what all the nations that surrounded them said. They said, "This is a weird tribe of people. One day out of seven they just don't work. They're lazy." what's wrong with these What's wrong with these guys? Right? To, to us, it's not weird that you would do that, but for the rest of the world, especially at that time, it was weird. Rome thought it was weird. Other ancient peoples thought it was strange that Israel would sacrifice one day out of seven when otherwise they could be productive. In the ancient world, it was common to have feast days that, that might even last for a while or festive seasons, but it was strange to sacrifice one day out of seven on a regular basis. Why did Israel do that? I mean, they're a little tiny nation. you think that they need to work as hard as they possibly could to protect themselves. Well, the commandment to set aside that one day was because God wanted Israel to know that he was their God. He was the one who made them who they were. They didn't have to constantly protect themselves and patrol their borders and make sure uh, that they were um, sustaining themselves because they could trust in God to sustain them. They could trust in God to sustain them. And when we, too, give up our time to worship and set aside that time for God and to take a break to Sabbath, whenever that time may come for you, that is a way of saying, God, I don't have to work so hard that i fix the whole world. We trust you. God, you're in control. I can't do it all on my own. I need to give up the illusion that I can. God, you're in control. And something similar happens in the other way that uh, many of you have fasted this morning. You might not realize it, but you have. Because when we took up the offering, uh, some of you said, I don't, I don't need to live, I don't need all the money that I've been given to live on. Then, in fact, I can trust in God to provide for me and I can surrender this. I can surrender this. Because, God, you're going to take care of me, you're going to clothe me, you're going to feed me. And I don't have to hold with a tight hand onto all of my possessions. God, I freely give this to you so that you can work in my life. Now, sometimes we, we think of giving in a very legalistic sort of way. And sometimes, you know, because of certain Old Testament passages, we say, you know, 10% and that's it. And actually, that's, that's not in the New Testament. Uh, it's a sermon for another day. Uh, but just to say this, to give to God, whether it's a dollar or whether it's a, a billion dollars. And some of us, you know, to give up even a small amount like the widow's might is a huge, huge sacrifice. Um, and for some people who are extravagantly wealthy, even what seems like a huge amount of money isn't, isn't really that much at all. It doesn't change their life. But to give, and to give enough that it changes the way that you live and the decisions that you make is to say, God, we trust you. God, we know you'll provide for us. It's not about the money. Not about the money. It's about your heart. It's about the condition of your heart when you give. And saying to God, God, you're going to take care of us. We know that we can trust in you. That's exactly what Jesus says uh, in this passage about, uh, when he talks about the birds of the air being clothed, and the gra- or the grass of the field being clothed, and birds of the air being fed. So many of us worry, where are our resources going to come from? Where are our resources going to come from? And Jesus says, look, the birds, the grass, God's creation, he takes care of it. You can trust in God to take care of you for your future. So yes, worry about today. Worry about what is is in front of you. But you can trust God. Now, I don't think Jesus is saying, don't plan for retirement or anything like that. I think that would be to abuse the verse. But what he's saying is, in uh, the way that you approach life, you can either obsess over um, over where your resources are going to come from and work constantly to make sure that you're secure, or you can trust God. You can trust God to provide for you. So what so often happens is, is that we act more like Golem, where we uh, think that we have to make sure that we have ours for us and that we're protected and that we're safe, and we hold it so close to us that we're consumed with anxiety. Just consumed with anxiety. That could be a material thing or it could be other aspects of our lives as well. I remember when I was uh, you know, really first starting to pay attention as a Christian in junior high, this passage where Jesus talks about caring for the birds and caring for the grass in the field and that today's troubles are enough for today um, was huge for me. And I, I copied it down on a piece of paper and I stuck it in my wallet. And I tried to find it this morning Somewhere still in my boxes of, of things that I have, I have that written down. And, and what was so important for me at that time was that this verse, and I didn't really fully realize this as a junior high student, but in retrospect, I've, I've kind of realized this. You know, I, like all ninth graders, was completely self obsessed. Uh, some of us never grow out of it. I'm working on it myself. Um, and and You know, so often we're just worried and worried and worried, and we're worried about ourselves, and we don't have eyes that are open to others in the world around us. And what that passage, I think, reminds me of is that, you know what? The grass of the field belongs to God, the birds of the air belong to God, I belong to God too. And if I belong to God, then I can be released from that anxiety and that worry. Now, sometimes you might have heard interpretations of that passage that say, all anxiety, all worries of sin. You know, he shouldn't worry. Worries of sin, and then, and then they cite that passage. I don't think that's fair. First of all, we know that Jesus had anxiety. In fact, he worried so much and the night before he died that he sweated uh, drops of blood. So I don't think Jesus is saying that you should never be anxious or that anxiety is always a problem. But I think what he is saying is that the kind of anxiety that comes from thinking that we are God, and that we can control the world, we have to let go of, and that we should remember that God is God, and we are not, that we can trust in God to take care of us, we can know that we belong to Him, and whatever circumstances might surround us in this world, circumstances that might rightly cause us to worry, we can release that part of anxiety that comes from that we don't belong to him because we can be we can know with confidence that we belong to God and so to 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 fast to give up something is is to own and to acknowledge that God is in control of the world and the reason we do that is because we are confident that what God has told us is that he will bring justice to the world that he's made and when we fast we put ourselves in sync with God's purposes for what he's going to do to make things right when you fast from food and you feel that pang of hunger it's a reminder that you are connected to the people who are always feeling hunger when you fast from entertainment and you feel bored it's a reminder that you are connected to the people who are waiting and longing for God to do something in their life to fast is about justice it's about justice And in fact, if you go back to the Sabbath in the Old Testament, which, remember, is a form of fasting, that's what it's about. God is telling his people, look, you can't work your servants to death. You've got to give them a day off. You can't even work your animals or your oxen to death. You've got to give them a break. You can't work your fields to death. You've got to give them a break. Because God is a God who's going to bring justice, who's going to supply for his people, who's going to give them what they need. And the promise of God is that he's going to come and do that. Isaiah 58 talks about that. And Isaiah uh, Isaiah presents the people as asking, you know, why are we fasting and it's not working? Why aren't we getting something out of it? And so sometimes we approach this fasting by thinking that we're supposed to get something out of it. And that's not how it's supposed to work. They say, why do we fast but do, you do not see? Why do we humble ourselves but you do not notice? Talking to God. And Isaiah, speaking for God, says this, look. You serve your own interest uh, on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Or is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to your Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose To loose the bonds of injustice and to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly, your vindication shall go forth. Before you, the glory of your Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. And you shall cry for help, and He will say, Here I am. am. To fast is to get in sync with the God who is bringing His kingdom. Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these other things that you need to live will be gathered to you as well. God knows that you need Him. Seek his kingdom. Seek his justice. Seek to do right by others. And when you seek to do right by others, you can trust that God will be there to do right by you and to do right by the whole world. To fast is to put yourself in sync with God's justice. It's to know that God is coming to bring his kingdom. So this uh, series that we've been doing on spiritual disciplines. Remember, these these are practices that we use to learn to learn about what God um, would have for us in our lives. Practices where we may learn what it means to be Jesus' followers day by day. And I'll just tell you, I know I don't fast enough. I've done it before, but I, I don't do it as often as I should. So this is a challenge to myself, and it's a challenge to you to try to fast, to pick something. And I'm not saying start like by saying, I'm going to fast for 40 days and 40 nights, or I'm going to fast for 20 days out of the month, or whatever, Start with just a day. Pick a day out of the week and choose something to fast from. It could be food or it could be something else. And just see what God does with that, with you and your life. I'm going to do that too. A couple of notes. I've told you what fasting is. I want to tell you what fasting isn't, okay? Because sometimes there's confusion here. And I've got actually specific questions about this, talking with people about this issue. All right, fasting is not a diet, Sometimes, like, people will go, I'm going to go and fast for Lent, and I'm going to fast from, you know, basically their plan to fast is like a get skinny plan, okay? Now, I'm not saying that, like, it's not a good thing to eat in a healthy way. Of course, that's a good thing. Um, but that's not what a fast is. That's not what the fast is about. That's just a self-serving kind of thing. Or not, self-serving might be strong. That's, a, that's just a way of taking care of yourself that might be healthy or unhealthy. Um, that's not really what a fast is. It's not a fast if it's not there and the purpose of it isn't to get you in tune with God. Okay? Another thing that fasting isn't is just kicking a bad habit. Like if you say if you're going to do a fast for Lent or whatever, it doesn't have to be for Lent or whenever. and you say, oh, I've got to fast from cigarettes. It's good for you to quit smoking cigarettes because you're going to live longer and be healthier and you'll enjoy the good smells and tastes that this world has to offer and the good world that God has given us. But that's not really fasting. That's breaking a bad habit. Okay? Fasting is about giving up a good gift that God has given us for a time, knowing that we're going to come back and use that thing later. Right? But when we fast from food, it's not saying that food's bad. We're going to come back. We're going to eat. It's a good gift from God. We're going to enjoy it. But we're going to take a break from it for this time because we know that God will provide for us. We know that God is in control. And it's going to help us more fully appreciate what God has given us on down the line. And by the way, note there, fasting is not a bargain. You're not like, I'm going to fast and then God's going to give me something, right? In the same way that prayer is not a bargain, where if I pray enough, then God will do good things for me. That's not the way it's supposed to work. It's supposed to change you. It's not to obligate God to do something for you. So let me give you some practical, practical suggestions of things that it's good to fast from. And maybe if you want to start incorporating fasting in your spiritual disciplines, here's how to do it. Here's some places, some places to start food, okay, that's the traditional one, and that's really the original meaning of fasting, and that's not to say that, again, food is fast, food's a good thing that God's given us, but, uh, and it's not to say that you have to go completely, you know, eat nothing for a whole day, in fact, most of the traditional fasts uh, are you eat one full meal a day, and you can eat other things along the way, as long as it doesn't add up to a full meal, it's refraining from some food or some types of food, all right, it's not to like, beat your body into the ground or anything like that. It's to have that little reminder as you hunger throughout the day to think about God and to orient yourself to his way of doing and being. John Wesley fasted on Wednesdays and Fridays, every Wednesday and Friday. I don't do that myself. Maybe I should start, but try to bed. Try it for a period of time and uh, try to incorporate that in your life. It would be a good place to start. I'm not saying you have to do it. But if, you, if, if it works for your health, and, and that would be a good one for you to do, that might be a good place to try. Something else. Now, this won't be a problem for everyone, but it's a problem for some, or it would be a good thing for some people to do. Uh, some of us would do very well to fast from social media. All right? Uh, to take a break from Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and or whatever uh, that it is, that people obsess about it. Because what happens is that a good thing, and Facebook's a good thing, unless you keep in touch with friends, we use it to stay connected uh, for some of us as a church. Um, it's not a bad thing. I'm not saying Facebook is the devil or anything like that. But sometimes we can become obsessed with the little red dot that's going to show up on our phone or on our computer and tell us to go, you know, we've got we to go check that. You know, we've got And it becomes anxiety-producing in ways that we don't fully realize while we're participating in. It. And what otherwise can be a good thing winds up being a, a curse for us. Some of us would do well to take a break. I'm not saying, like, get off of Facebook forever and it's terrible. I'm just saying take a little break for a while. Take a little break for a while. I had a pastor friend in Nashville who uh, got off of Facebook for three months uh, just because she was trying to um, reorient her spiritual life and she had found it to be a distraction. And she recently came back home because, again, I'm not saying get off forever, that it's a bad thing. But she said one of the things that she learned in that little break was that it was exhausting to constantly be thinking about what's the next clever thing I'm going to post or uh, the next you know picture or quote or thought to put out there for the world to see. And that was like she was living in two different places at once, and it was exhausting. And so by taking that break, she was able to more fully appreciate that good thing for what it was and how it should be used. And sometimes... I think it would be good for a few of us to do that. Now, not all of you are on Facebook, thank goodness, uh, and live your life. I'm not saying get on it, uh, but if that's a, if that would be good for you, and if that kind of strikes a chord with you, maybe try that. Okay. Um, here's another one, uh, and I'll give you. Food will be the first suggestion, social media, and this is my third suggestion. Some of us need to take a break from obsessing about the news. Okay. Some of us need to take a break. Because here's what the and now look, my sympathies are with you because I grew up. I wanted to be a. I had my whole map to the presidency like figured out when I was in high school, and I loved the news and you know I I I watch it all the time. I was a political science major in college. Keep up with current events. That stuff's it's important to me, and I think that it's good for us as Christians to know what's going on in the world. So it's a good it's a good gift uh, to be able to, to be able to do that. But sometimes what happens. And then the the particular way that our news media works, feeds on this, uh, is that the news exists to make you worry, right? To produce anxiety in you so that you will tune back in and watch more television, watch more news so they can put advertisements on there and they got better ratings and they can make a profit, right? So they exist to produce anxiety. That's why it's there. That's why it's there. Because they want you to watch. You know, if it was 30 years ago, you could watch the evening news for 30 minutes and that's it, That's the news for the day. Now it's on 24-7. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because it helps us stay in contact with parts of our world that otherwise we wouldn't be able to. But examine yourself. If watching the news is causing you to be anxious, then take a break. Take a break from it for a week for a month or whatever and just... Don't worry about what's happening half the country away, or half a world away, or half a state away. The world will go on without you, I promise. And just relax. Okay? Take a break. Take a Sabbath from it. And take that time to reorient yourself to God so that you'll have eyes. To see if God would have you to see, so that then when you return to watch the news and pay attention to those things, you'll have the proper spiritual footing, or be reminded of the, of the proper grounding that will keep you from being consumed with anxiety. Okay. Now, again, I'm not this is not a particular uh, kind of news channel. It's true of all of them. It's uh, CNN or MSNBC or Fox. They all, all they're all the same. Their politics aren't the same, but the way that they work to produce anxiety in you. So I don't care what your politics are. Uh, that's a good conversation for another day. I'm just saying, take a little time to relax, from it. and be reoriented to the world that's going on right around you. And then, then you can go back and watch it, and let it let it let you work on it, and let it work on you. So maybe for for you, that's not what you should fast from. Maybe it's not the news. Maybe it's not social media. Maybe maybe it's not even food. Though that's a that's a probably. A, the most traditional one to do. For you, ask yourself this. What is it that in your heart, in your gut, you spend time worrying about? What produces anxiety in you that you might be able to release for a little bit? That would be a good thing to fast from. And just just take a break. And let that time reconstitute your soul so that you can uh, value things as God values and be the person that God has created you to be so that you can know that God is in control of the world and that you can trust him and so that you then can put yourself at work in his kingdom to help bring justice and peace to others. So we go back to our friend Tyler, the UK fan. His his hopes turned out to be foolish. Um, doesn't work out that way for everybody. Last uh, August of uh, 2013, there was a guy named Tim It's a big Seahawks fan who got a uh, Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl 48 champions tattoo, and guess what? They became Super Bowl 48 champions. So uh, so for us, I would hope that, uh, and I think, that when we fast, it's not to be like Tyler. It's not to be tossing out foolishness, but instead to put our hopes in something and to put our hopes in the one, in God, who will not fail us will not fail us so that we can live at peace knowing that we are God's and that He is ours we belong to Him. Let's pray. God we pray that you would help us to see those things in our life even even good gifts that, that we have from you that sometimes we need to take a break from them, so that we might reorient ourselves so that we might have eyes that are open that we might value uh, things as you would have us to value so that we can be a people who know who know that we are yours and that we can trust in your coming kingdom. Lord, all this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ our savior.